Ed Reed hops on Instagram Live to air out his problems with Bethune-Cookman's administration, show you that him and the football team are doing community service, and also, he wants you to know that he is not under contract. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every single day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives which you can see right here at the bottom of the screen but if you're on the audio side of things please do not forget the s on the end and today's episode is brought to you by linkedin jobs who has you qualified or can get you the qualified candidates that you want and need to talk to faster just post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college post your job for free terms and conditions do apply There's no way to really dress this up. Ed Reed is off to a terrible start at Bethune-Cookman. Everybody has an opinion on how they feel about his Instagram live rant. And whether you're with me or you're against me, I only ask that you wait until three, four minutes. Just don't judge and, and, and comment off of the tagline. I know a lot of people do it. Please don't be one of the people. Everybody ain't gonna listen to me. People just gonna say you against Ed Reed, you doing this, that, and the third. I'll tell you the truth. I'm not turning on Ed Reed. I'm not about to sit in here and tell you Ed Reed's a terrible person. But you, when you say things, you have to be held accountable. And that's all this is. This is accountability. This ain't a, oh, man, y'all switch up on people so fast. No, he said something I think was not right. He had no business saying, in my opinion. And I'm going to hold him accountable by criticizing because I'm going to be critical of it. My biggest problem, for those who didn't see it, go to my Twitter, at South Exclusives. Um, I, I commented a little bit of my, my opinion on there, but we're about to extend it. If you want to see the video and you have it, it's an extensive video that obviously I can't post on here, especially because it's profane. If you have seen it, you know. But here's the thing. In the clip, the biggest, the first clip, because it was a bunch of them, the first thing I think he did that was the biggest problem to me, it was the, it was the farthest step left, in my opinion, is he got up there and he preached that save the day rhetoric. He came up there with that savior complex, which is the same misstep that Deion Sanders had and you just running it back. Everybody says he's following in Deion Sanders' footsteps. I guess he's following the blueprint too. The only difference, here's the difference between Deion Sanders and Ed Reed. When Deion came up there and he sold that savior stuff, at least he did it with a smile. At least he added some hope. At least he made me feel jovial. Ed Reed on Instagram Live made me feel dismal. He just felt furious. He just felt angry with the situation that he was thrusted into. As if somebody said, you have to go coach Bethune-Cookman. And as much as I do believe he'll be a great head coach, I'm going to tell you right now, Ed, nobody's telling me that you have to do it. Nobody's telling you that you have to do it. I'm not telling anybody else that you have to do it. Nobody's, nobody's requiring this from you. I don't want you to feel obligated. I even go so far. Just because your name on it, at this point, you can step out. If you really want to, you can step out. And my problem is just the Savior. People have a problem with what he said. I don't say that's my only problem is 
his savior. But this is not the podcast on which we're going to talk about everything that goes into why HBCUs are where they are. I don't want to do that today. There's, there's a bunch of podcasts you can find that are going to break down that side of this take. But I'm going to say right now, you come in here talking about being a savior. And the truth of the matter is, when you tell me that HBCUs, all HBCUs need help because it's broken mentalities running it, you ain't been to all HBCUs. Let's be real. How many HBCUs do y'all really think that Ed Reed is visiting? Not that many. So when he says that all HBCUs need help because it's broken mentalities running it, he's really just telling you that Bethune Cookman has broken mentalities running it in his head. That's it. That's what he's really saying. That's his frame of reference. That's what he has. That's his prior experience. Because people don't make statements like this, right? Like somebody from North Dakota ain't saying that HBCUs need help because they have broken mentalities running it if he's never been to an HBCU. I, that, that, that's, the, that's the situation I think Ed was in not too long before right now. So he's really calling out Bethune-Cookman, but he's putting it under the veil of everybody, right? And when you come on here and you say, man, I want to up, because this is what he's doing when I say the savior complex. He's now putting himself in that same position where he's saying, I want to uplift HBCUs. And I'm going to start with Bethune-Cookman. No, 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 no. This is exactly what I didn't want. This is exactly what I didn't want. What I wanted was for, for uh, Coach Prime. Coach Prime, I almost said Deion Sanders, like Coach Prime. They on the same wavelength right now. And he shot him out a couple times. Started off by saying Prime wasn't wrong. Boy, that was terrible. Anyway, <laughs> that was not the thing you wanted to say to HBCU fans, Ed. But here's the thing, Ed. I just wanted you to be a coach. I'm not telling you to shut up and coach. I'm not telling you to never open your mouth. I'm not even telling you not to voice your displeasures. But when you come in here and you say you want to save the day, now you put yourself as, a, as something else. Now you've added an extra layer that I don't know if he's ready for. And honestly, some of it was, it was just, it was an overvaluing of himself. I'm going to be real. And it was disrespectful and it felt a little overconfident for him to come out there and say, I've done more in a week and a half than people here have done in years. Man, I don't even know if you can fathom in a week and a half what people have had to done have to do in years. That was ridiculous for you to go up there and say that. And this is coming from somebody who truly does has been campaigning for this. This is coming from somebody who is a fan of Ed Reed, the ball player. I don't know Ed Reed, the person. This is really like my first introduction to him. And this ain't a good look. This is a lot of Bethune-Cookman fan, fans' uh, first introduction to him. And this ain't a good look. Because this is not endearing. Fans... And coaches are different. Players are different. Like coaches who are held over from the last staff, they might feel a certain kind of way, but they're, they're you know, they're professionals, so they'll get past it. Players, they going to play. And a lot of players probably still come over there and recruit because it is what it is. But fans, they're not going to forget this. And that goodwill that you built, that you built up with the Bethune-Cookman fan base just by being Ed Reed and being their new head coach and them being excited has instantly been smashed to smithereens. There is no goodwill anymore. There just isn't. Because now you've added yourself an extra layer of I got to say. And let's be real, those broken mentalities that he's talking about, do we think they're leaving just because Ed Reed said he was disappointed and he doesn't like them? No. He told you they ain't even clean his office. So what you think they're going to escort people out? They're not doing that. They're not. So that's something that you have to really think about. Those broken mentalities he's talking about, they're going to stay around. You're not going to be able to enact that kind of change that you're talking about. I just don't think it's possible. So when I said I don't think this is the road he wants to go down, that's what I mean. Because you're not going to change that more likely than not. 
I don't know how, what kind of sway he'll have, when he'll have it, but right now he definitely doesn't have the sway to get those people out of administration, out of higher ups. They, he just doesn't have that. So now you're fighting a battle where you're trying to get people who are higher than you fired. That's a losing fight. And when you don't get it done and the same issues that you feel like are here now persist three years down the line and then you leave, you're going to get blasted. If you think they cook Deion Sanders, just wait until Ed leaves. Because I have no faith that Ed's going. If Ed has the same success as Dion, he's gone. He's gone. And you're playing his savior complex that's really going to bite you in your butt. That's how I look at it. And going forward, we're, gonna, we're about to go to basketball, man. I think we're going to touch on this again tomorrow. I really think we're going to touch on this again tomorrow. But there was too many great games for me not to touch on what happened on Saturday. Too many great games for me to let some messy, petty stuff like this cover up some of the great action that was actually happening in, in basketball. So we're going to talk about Southern versus Grambling, how Breon Whitley went absolutely ballistic to take Southern to 5-0 in SWAC play. Before I get into that, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. Of course, they're going to help you find all of the candidates that you need to talk to faster. LinkedIn is the number one place for all of my small business owners. And if you're trying to get a job, it's right there. Put your resume on LinkedIn. It works both ways. If you need a job, you go to LinkedIn, put your resume up. If you need an employee, you go to LinkedIn, look at these resumes. No more sitting down talking to 29 people just to find out that 30 was the person that you wanted. If you go to LinkedIn, you'll find number 30 right there. She's right there with the perfect resume for you, and it, and it tells you that she has everything that you want in an employee. Just go ahead and interview her. It helps you get to the qualified candidates that you want and need to talk to faster. And that's why over 810 million people use LinkedIn on a number on a day-to-day -day basis. It's all it's very simple. Go to LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free and use the purple hashtag hiring frame. Terms and conditions do apply. As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every single day for your second listen go ahead and check out locked on college basketball with everything you need around the sport in one spot wherever you get your podcast including this app right here so you don't want to miss out on that and whether you're from florida or if you're from louisiana saturday was a great day to be a jaguar jacksonville came back against the chargers southern continued their undefeated streak in swag play five and no now knocking off state rival grambling and Breon Whitley was the star of the game. He had 32 points. Ironically, he plays for Southern. He's from Florida, just to tie this whole thing in. But he had 32 points in that game. He was an absolute beast, and he was the reason that they won. 32 points made it good for third most in a game all year by any swag player. I'm not just talking about a swag play. I'm talking about swag play, out of conference play. And I know they play some, they play some tough competition. But they also got a couple of Rudy Poos on there where you could have seen somebody hit 35 or something like that. This is third most of any game by a swag player all year, men's basketball. This is second most made field goals in a game. And he did most of his damage from the three-point line. He was really electric. He was 5 of 11 from three-point. Great percentage, nearly, nearly over 50%, right? You're looking at a situation where Grambling just had no answer for him from the beginning. And I don't care if this was shooting the three. I don't care if this was shooting inside, getting into the restricted area. He was one of the few Jaguar players who actually made it into the restricted area and had some success. He was the only one who made multiple buckets. And he was also, he got to the free throw line multiple times. So that's, that's how he was able to succeed. And I want to give a nod to P.J. Bird as well 
because P.J. Bird, he was hot from three, too. At the, at the end of the first half, both Whitley and Bird were going crazy from three. Bird really had some nice step-in threes from, from distance. Like about three, four steps behind, I think he had one where it was like, okay, this dude's on fire. Then he comes out from halftime, and he doesn't go back to jacking them up. No, he said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and pass. I'm going to facilitate. And that's the difference between him and I. I that's probably why I can't play basketball, because I'm a facilitator when I'm playing 2K. So I know I'd pass in real life, but that's because I can't shoot. If I could shoot and I was three from three, I don't care if I was John Rondo, where my shooting is significantly worse than my passing. If I'm three or three from three and a half, I'm still shooting, period. No doubt about it. And he shot. He had three shots in the second half. He had three shots in the first, three shots in the second. The only difference is those three shots in the first half were from behind the perimeter. Those three shots in the second half were all two-pointers. But he did add in five of his eight assists on the day in the second half. So you've seen him get more into the facilitation role. But you need players like that. You need guys who are going to just play their role. You need guys who, even when they're on fire, they understand that, okay, Whitley is on fire. I can facilitate, and that's what I'll do. It was a, I thought it was a great two-man tandem right there, and it made up for the fact that Bryson Etienne was not on point in this game. He really did struggle from start to finish, but when you have players like Whitley dropping 32, when you have guys like Bird on fire from three and then also facilitating to his teammates, it can make up for one of your highest scores not having his best game, and that's exactly what happened. Now, with Grambling, because we're talking about the three-point shot, Grambling stopping the three-point of Southern was going to be something to watch. I told you a key of sorts, right, because this was like our game of the week, and that was kind of like our key, was basically what was going to be the offensive attack for Southern. They shot the three extremely well. You see some of their best runs came from shooting the three. When, when, when Whitley got on fire, when Whitley stepped out there and said, you know what, I'm going to start shooting this thing. Because they really did struggle at the beginning, but once Whitley and Burr started shooting them, you saw them start making it and start getting them in the rhythm. That was the first time they built up a big lead in the game. That was the first time. So... Three-pointer, they shot. This one, they better three-point shooting percentages of the season. But you reflected the Grambling, who I said was going to need to keep up. They were going to need to shoot a couple of more threes and make a couple more threes to keep pacing this game. I thought that was going to be the case. And that was the case. And they did half of my game plan. They did shoot more threes. Shot the second most threes they shot in any game this year. But they also made the third least that they had made in any game this year. Had the second worst three-point percentage of any game this year it, it doesn't matter if you shoot more threes if you're not making more threes of course that's easier said than easier said than done especially sitting here from my couch but that was the difference southern had the threes which was great for them and, and Gramlin really didn't stop them that well they had their threes contribute to big time point swings especially in that first half Grambling couldn't make a three and they didn't really attack, and Southern didn't really attack the restricted area. Most of their points from the paint were elbow jumpers, close to the free throw line. They didn't really get in too much danger of having to go against the dangerous shot blockers. Gramlin's offense showed a completely different story. You see they wanted to be in the paint. Same thing with the defense. Meanwhile, Southern, they wanted to shoot from outside because they knew that's where they had the advantage. It was smart play. I know Coach going to be mad at me, but Coach said, we ain't the hunted. Yeah, Southern is the hunted. He said, we're not done hunting. Yeah, but in the traditional sense, y'all the hunters now. So we'll go forward. And I know we talked about Southern being on point, but that's not all that happened in this great college basketball weekend for the SWAC, really, and the MEAC as well. We had some streaks being broken. So let's go ahead and talk about that as we move forward. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. 
And today's episode of, oh, excuse me, and Bet Online is the number one place for all of your sports wagering because Bet Online is the number one when it comes to odds, when it comes to props, when it comes to lines. Everybody else is putting the dirt. There's nothing like Bet Online, and I've seen them all. When I look at Bet Online, I say college basketball rolling, the NBA rolling. College football just ended, but we got the playoffs going, and we just had a great weekend. Put your money down on the Dallas game. I think every single game has been really good, except for maybe that Seattle-San Francisco game, and I actually enjoyed that as well. It just got out of hand towards the end. Everything else was almost down to the wire. You've had great action. Just put some money down and make some money off of it while you're enjoying yourself watching the game, and there's only one place to do it, Bet Online, where the game starts. And that's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Shout out to all my segment three folks. And I told you, Southern, yeah, they were the highlight of the college basketball weekend. And they extended their streak. But it was so deep because you had three teams who lost their streaks in college basketball this year. Jackson State versus PV two times. Jackson State loses. Would you like to know the last time that Jackson State was swept? I mean, the last time that Jackson State was swept, where they lost both of their games on the same day to the same opponent, was Prairie View in 2020. Let's get this exact date. February 17, 2020. February 27th, excuse me, February 17, 2020 was the last time that Jackson State men and women's basketball lost to the same team, and it was Prairie View. You know who broke that streak? Prairie View. Nearly three years later. But it's even deeper when you look at the women, because women's basketball, they lost their first game in the SWAC in over two years. They hadn't won. They hadn't lost a game in SWAC since January 4th, 2021. They were on a two year winning streak in conference play. That just goes to speak to the dominance that they had. And, and you look at Grambling or excuse me. Jackson State men's. That's a three game winning streak that was just broken. They were three and zero in SWAC play. But this is a game where. On both sides, you've seen a little bit of a, a late run. For the women especially, Prairie View had 28 fourth quarter points. 28 fourth quarter points. To put that in perspective, they only scored 26 in the first half. So in the first 20 minutes, they only scored 26 points. But in the last 10 minutes, they were able to score 28. So that just kind of puts in perspective exactly what, what they were able to do, the success they were able to find, and they really extended it in the last four minutes. They also went in the run Prairie View men did against Jackson State. And the impact that it has on the Tigers in both situations is it kind of moves them out of first place. Jackson State was alone in first place in women's basketball. They were undefeated, the only undefeated team. Now they're back, and they're 3-1. and one. And they're with all the 3-1 and one teams who are tied. You have 4-1 and one teams like Alcorn and Prairie View, or I don't think it was Alcorn actually, but it was Prairie View, who are 4-1. and one. You, not, you a half game back for them. Now you look at the men's basketball, Jackson State was a half game behind Southern. Because they had only played three games, or, or yeah, three games. Southern had played four at the time. But I kind of put them in the tie for first place when I talk about it, when I treat it like that, because eventually they will play the same amount. But technically, they were in second place. They're still in second place because now they're three and one. And they're in a tie with Alcorn, but they knocked off Alcorn, so the advantage goes to Jackson State. So it's not the biggest switch. It's not like they went from one to being six or something. You know, they just went from being one to kind of being two, being three. They're right there. It's just a game away. They'll play Prairie View again. We'll see if they can knock them off. 
I think that this is nice for the women's basketball team just because it's a nice little story. And I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a storyteller. I'm an orator. Like, this is what we do. We tell stories. So this is the kind of thing that I love. Now you look at Jackson, or excuse me, now you look at Norfolk State. And Norfolk State was upset. They felt like it was a very controversial ending to how their game was. Because Coach Jones said, man, I, I haven't said this in 22 years, but this game was decided by the officials. He said, if you watch the game, you know. I didn't watch the game. And if he's trying to tell me that it's more than just that, that last two seconds, okay, maybe. But if we're talking about the last two seconds, I'm not saying that the, 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 the refs decided this game. I'm not doing that. I, I just, I don't think that's true. I watched it. I think that they were right to, be, to get a technical against them. Uh, I think it was very unfortunate. But to say that the refs cost you this game, no. Let me tell you the situation for those who also didn't watch. But Norfolk State makes a, a layup to go up one point with a minute, with a, with a, a second, a 1.4 seconds left. Some people run on the floor. I didn't hear a timeout. Guy wasn't fouled. I think maybe one player ran on the floor, but they got called for storming the court. Even if it's one player versus seven players, somebody coming on the court is somebody coming on the court. Why would you? You know you can't come on the court. You know you can't come on the court. So I just, I don't know why you would. There was 1.4 seconds left. It clearly wasn't a buzzer beater. So you didn't think the game was over. You shouldn't have thought the game was over. But I understand emotions get high. But emotions getting high does not absolve you from any kind of consequences. You came on the court. And here's two things that were said by Joe Bryant and then also Coach Jones. Joe Bryant said, I, or excuse me, you make a game-winning layup. Who's not going to try to run on the court? People who know the rule. People who know the rule know that you cannot run on the court. Now, he says you're supposed to just back him up and let play happen, but that's not the rule. The rule is it's a technical foul. They got two shots. You should not run on the court, and you know that. You know that. You look at Coach Jones. He said, I've never seen a game in like that. Sometimes common sense prevails over what the perceived rule is. And you know what? I kind of agree with that. I do. I kind of agree with that. To a certain extent, I do feel like they should have just backed them up and kept play going. But what I respond to both of you is you have to understand they are not obligated to do that. So while you feel like it's a ticky-tack rule, come on, ref, understand the emotions of the game, you did commit a foul. It is, the consequence for it is the other team gets technical foul shots. And it happened to you. So just because you feel like people, you should understand. This ain't that type of situation. It would have been nice if the ref just let it play on. You know, you want the ref not to get involved in that situation. But the guy clearly walked on the court. It was a man in a yellow shirt. Coach Jones tried to tell a Twitter user that, ah, oh, you just got the bad angle. No. The, the angle Coach Jones was trying to promote was the bad angle. The, the angle Coach Jones tried to show was straight down the, the baseline. A guy ran forward as they celebrated. Because he was like, man, the guys just celebrate on the baseline. There was a man who ran on the court and made an L shape. He had to bend to get to the to the uh to get to where Joe Bryant was, which was close to the basket on the baseline. The angle you showed didn't even show. There was no peripheral vision on a camera. The angle that I saw, this man in the middle of the bench stood up, the bucket went in, he ran straight. If you're in the middle of the bench and you run straight, do you know where you land? It ain't the stinking baseline, it's the middle of the court. He bent, 
made an L shape. I hate that the game had to end like that. If I was a ref, I probably would have let it go and just calm down the situation. But as a player, as a coach, you have to understand you cannot bank on them doing that. You got to go out there and keep your team composed and keep them on the bench. It's just that simple, man. On tomorrow's, I decided on tomorrow's episode, I'm going to talk about why I think Ed Reed should step away from Bethune-Cookman. I think it's time for a divorce. So that's what you have to look forward to on tomorrow's episode. I appreciate you for making us your first listen today. And I know you guys are ready for that tomorrow. And I know you'll do it again, making us your first listen on Tuesday's episode. For your second listen of the day, check out Locked On College Basketball. And you can get everything you need around this beautiful sport that I know that you love in one place wherever you listen to your podcast. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.